Welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast, where me, Lee, Jeremy are going to review the first movie of 2023, a possible fixie contender, boys. Big deal. Big, big, big fucking deal. And you know what we're going to review this week? Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, guys. Um, this is part one of, I guess, a two-part movie. We'll see. Uh, box office wasn't great, uh, as Lee and I well know. Um, but, uh, gentlemen, this is the third Mission Impossible movie we've, we've reviewed on this show. I believe we did the first one, right? Didn't we do the first one in a, in a throwback? Maybe we didn't. I'm sorry. This is the second Mission Impossible film we did. We did do our rankings, though. We talked about all of them to a certain Got extent. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so we, we last did uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, and I went back and listened and just didn't listen to the whole thing because the, the quality is pretty bad. Um, but I did I did get a rough sense of our opinions on that. Uh, Lee, you were not a fan. Decidedly not a fan. Jeremy, you were a big fan of it. And I was somewhere in the middle. And I think I'd like to start with just very quickly, if, you, if any of you guys have seen it again. I, of course, bought the movie. Not sure why. Um, and I uh, have grown to love it a lot more than I did when we reviewed that pot, that the movie on the pod in 2000, the summer so you came of 2018. To my side. <clears throat> I came um, to your side. Yes. I've Lee, definitely have you seen, seen it since I've definitely seen it again and I'm sure I'll watch it many times. And just to clarify, I definitely enjoyed fallout, but critically speaking, I think it had issues that bothered me. Um, the one that, always kind of stands out to me is its similarities to Rogue Nation, the one that came just before it. And that critique may come up again today. Yeah, I've watched Mission Impossible Fallout probably a handful of times since we did the pod. And I still enjoy it. And honestly, like, if there's ever a movie that you, like, if you're ever just in a situation where you're like, I just want to put something on one of the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossibles is a great choice. And I stand by that, but I also stand by my critiques of that movie. And um, I wonder if some when of those critiques When did he start were, directing them? Was it Rogue, Rogue, Nation? Rogue Nation? Are we, yeah. are we back into the podcast now? Yes. That's why we're talking about Mission Impossible. Rogue Nation was <clears> his first, and then he did Fallout, and then this one in the, sec- in the next Dead Reckoning. Um was Brad Bird did Ghost Protocol? Is that right? Yeah. And okay, so Jeremy, JJ uh, Abrams did the third one. No, I have not, and I liked it the most. Okay, I, I got other movies to watch. <laughs> um. Okay, I, I got a I got another quick question for you guys. We all I, this was unique because so often uh, when we're trying to see the podcast, it's 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 a struggle for us to get 
like all see the movie. Like we gotta be like, oh yeah, okay, we gotta put aside time to do it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see it Tuesday, so then we can record Thursday and we do all this. But we sort of all just texted each other yesterday or the day before, and we had all sort of happened to see it, or in your case, Jeremy had plans to see it the next day. So we all wanted to see it without having a plan to do it for the podcast, which at least for me is a rarity because it seems like everything I have to see now is for the podcast. Um, why did you guys, what, what appeals to you guys about this, these kind of movies? Like what, why do you like, tell me innately what drives you to see a movie uh, uh, to see a mission impossible movie? Like what, what are you hoping to get out of it? Lee, I mean, you didn't, you were not crazy about the first, the, the last one. So I'm, I'm per- particularly curious about you, about why you took a night out of your busy life to go, to go see it. I mean, I think the Mission Impossible movies kind of represent what, you know, big budget movies are now. Um, And obviously, you know, we're going to talk about Oppenheimer very shortly, um, which Nolan has Nolan has a huge part in in that, but for an entirely different reason. And I just think what what Cruz and Macquarie have carved out. Um is is bigger than just like what I like about movies and a lot of what's in the Mission Impossible movies I do like I like the action I like the excitement I like the thrill ride of it Um, they're great to watch in the theater you know I always make sure I see these in the Dolby theater at AMC so I get the best sound I get the best experience because like that's these are the types of movies that are best to see in the theater and they represent basically like what the theater going experience is now. And so if I'm going to go see a movie in the theater, it's going to be this. It's not going to be, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, which, you know, is one of the highest reviewed movies of the year so far. And I intend to watch as soon as it's available for a very low price on (laughs) streaming (laughs) or perhaps free. (laughs) But like, I, I enjoy seeing these movies. I, I, or I should say I enjoy the experience of these types of movies. Um, because in many ways, this is what movie making has always been, but it's especially what movie making is now in terms of, I don't, you know, non like a tour driven movies and you can we can have the conversation about whether or not like there's some auteurism in these and whether or not Macquarie is a good director and so on and so forth but I think outside of the movies that we get real snobby about like this is movie making like this is what it is now and I I enjoy that regardless of how good or bad the movies are like it's enjoyable yeah but you're okay you're you're going to see Mission Impossible but you're not going to see the Avengers why um Yes, that's a great question. Um, these movies are better. <laughs> um, there is there is more thought and more dedication put into these movies than the Avengers movies. Uh, there's not more money, but there is there is more. Well, this one pa- is, there this is, one's is, creeping up to three hundred million. So it's, well, maybe whatever. There's more passion in the production of these movies, and. You see that in everything that Tom Cruise does to promote these movies. Um, you see how passionate he is about people seeing it in the theater. About and you don't even necessarily have to believe him when he says we make this for you and all that shit. Like he might just have a death wish 
and hope that he dies in some dramatic fashion doing some stunt. Who knows? But you feel his passion, and he might just be a good actor. And it's it's <laughs> contagious. Um, for me, definitely the spectacle of it is a big part of what makes me go to the theater and just my history with Mission Impossible. But I think uh, we recently talked about The Sting on a podcast. I'm still chasing a little <laughs> oh. bit. I, I'm still chasing <laughs> The Sting a little bit. And I want the... or. Mission Impossible 1, you know, that, that sort of... Uh, well, you got a lot of that here. That sort of structural screenplay that pays off in the end with the action of Mission Impossible, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get that. And that's why I'll go see something like Mission Impossible rather than the Avengers, because I think it can try to at least be a little bit more clever in its delivery. Um, I have a I have a thought on the spectacle aspect of these movies that I don't know if you guys want me to save or if you want me to bring it up now. Please. Um, I guess I can pose this as a question. Did all the featurettes of Tom Cruise riding his motorcycle off the cliff hurt this movie? Definitely. Thank you. Because they tried uh, to make some bullshit argument on The Ringer that it was like, oh, we couldn't wait to see why he jumped off the cliff. Oh, no, I didn't think that. But I don't think it hurt it. I think it just, in, you know, it was good. Mar- it was really good marketing, I think. And it I intrigued guess, but you, like, but it didn't hurt it. I don't think it was like, oh, did he make it? Did he? Well, here, okay. This movie didn't do great at the box office, so it didn't work. The marketing didn't work. And I would have loved to have seen him do that without knowing it was going to happen. Without a parachute without a parachute that's next that's in part two um yeah i it's okay so uh, before we like try to compare it to like the original mission impossible or the others or whatever i'm i want to talk about sort of the elephant in the room with this one the thing that interests me the most oh yeah i figured jeremy would just be too scared to talk about it because I'm a, clearly the only one on this podcast that is concerned or has any real uh, thoughts on artificial intelligence. <laughs> because these two guys just go, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. You, you, I'm you, not even you, here. This is just a, a being paranoid a, AI oh, this voice. Is, this is a chat GBT. There's, not, there's nothing you can do about it. So just like totally just sit back and let it take over. It's fine. Um, I mean, is there anything you can do about it? Yeah, there's lots. Oh, here. Okay. Jeremy's got plans. He's, he's going to blow up Skynet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, I get two keys from That's true. Yeah. the Russians. Shut, I put them together and I shut it down. Okay. Um, so at least we talk about movies trying to say stuff. I got to give I mean, Lee this, credit because he knew you were going to go down this road and, and he told me specifically <laughs> that you would. Well, he also told me, like, he alluded it to it to me as well. It wasn't like it was hidden. As soon as it started, I was like, oh, yeah. fuck. This is all Jeremy's going to talk about. <laughs> but what's wrong with that? What's wrong with addressing something that's, a, like, a very serious topic? Uh, it's fine for the movie to do that. Yeah, it's and, it, and it's interesting, and uh, it's it's an you action watch, movie. You should watch the trailer for the creator. It's, what's that well we'll get to that um it's an action movie trying to address a societal problem right now um you know how do you guys think it handled it 
I mean, it's just as convoluted as all the Mission Impossible plots are. Um, and in many ways, it doesn't matter if it's AI, if it's the the syndicate. It like it's it just doesn't matter so much that you start to wonder if it matters. Does that make sense? Like, I I agree with you. I, like, I mean, I I totally agree with you. And it has been the the issue I had with a lot of these Mission Impossibles. Uh, the problem with this wasn't that it was convoluted or it didn't mean anything because I think it me- meant more than most Mission Impossibles with their plot. Um, I had a real tough time with like all the exposition in this movie. But this oh. is that's the same as Fallout. The, all the expository dialogue yeah. is like repeated a hundred times, and it's that's the same in, in every movie. No, I don't know why was, it really stuck was, out to me. It on was this a one. lot worse in this one. There is a scene. And I like there's so many of these fucking dumbass scenes that uh, there's a scene I forget where the team is like going over something and it it it, it it went on for like twice as long as any other exposition scene in any Mission Impossible movie has ever gone. And it's there is so much of it. And I got to be honest, guys, I didn't understand one lick of it. What was that thing doing? But it, yeah, well, it why was it planting just, a bomb? Why was it smart enough to do that? Why doesn't pr- it just blow everything? This is up? the inherent what's, what's, problem. What's the, what's the AI's like? What's the AI's connection to Gabriel? Uh, yeah, it like, like chose him. Yeah, <laughs> but this is the inherent problem with these movies: is that no, it no, doesn't no, matter no. so much that it matter that it's a problem. But this went to another level of that, Lee. I think I it really was. I think this is. I think this is the same problem done. in Fallout in Rogue Nation. I think it's the exact same problem. I think it's way worse here, uh, at it's, least with Fallout in Rogue way Nation. Way worse. Um, you could you could latch on to something. This this really had nothing to latch on to. I, I gotta be honest, because I I really didn't like this movie. I really didn't like it. I I I thought ever like like what what Fallout has what Fallout has has you know eventually done for me. This movie it just like it, it just sort of like threw everything that was great about Fallout and just like threw it to the wind. I mean, there's <clears throat> there's so much like I don't care about the, the like the, the the Tom Cruise stunts. They even fucked that up. They even fucked that up like it's it's so not it's so obvious that they just like shoehorn that in to be get him to like jump off a cliff like it feels so yeah he doesn't even he doesn't even land on the train yeah like he just like they just cut to him crashing through a window right it's just such an excuse he's like because and he says it. he's like i've always wanted to do this okay well also when he when he crashed through that window he happened to crash through at the perfect timing to stop somebody from killing somebody yeah and 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 then there's a there's the set piece with the train at the end i mean spoilers there's awful but like it's cgi and it goes on so long bad and it was like it was it was so obviously CGI and like and like all the parts that like kind of feel real like I know that the <clears throat> the fighting on top of the train was somewhat real but like so what I mean this movie was really obsessed with and I think I liked it more than you Chapin but um Jeremy I'm not sure where you fall but I it was so obsessed with calling back to De Palma's Mission Impossible too like the Dutch angles the the return of Kittredge the tr- fighting on the top of the train like it's like it it feels like it's it feels like this series is is 
relying on Cruz's next big stunt and falling back on the on plot successes of stories the previous they've already movies. done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would. I'm definitely uh, m- uh, much closer with Chapin. I really didn't enjoy. Uh, this is so funny. I like it the most. I like it the most. I live. I live for this stuff. I love that stuff. But this this movie just like failed on every part of it. And and guys, like you know what? I like. I don't understand. I really don't understand why we keep bringing these these characters back. Like this. Like I I I honestly like left and I was like what are these what are Macquarie and Cruz's priorities here like being Rames I Jeremy you told us a little bit about working on a movie with him or someone you knew who worked on a movie with him I did. why why is he in this movie like like Tom Cruise's nostalgia has now brought this actor back like he's Oh, I don't mind him as much un- as them shoehorning Vanessa Kirby's character Vanessa right. Kirby I agree I, I like I thought they could do some cool stuff with Henry Zerny or whatever. Didn't do it. He like was he a good guy or a bad guy? You couldn't tell. But like, also he like do- he hasn't been in six other movies leading up to this or five other movies leading up to this. He was in the first one and then gone for twenty five years. <laughs> shows up in this one with the same job. Yeah, I wondered about that. How does he he keep his job and how like it. Like nothing makes sense all the way to the point of like do like like does the MI team are they sanctioned are they not sanctioned can they do whatever they want are they totally rogue are they like why was uh what was his name the cops going like chasing after them oh like my God, what were they I gonna hate, do I hated him in this movie like I, I just didn't nothing what, Shane uh, Wiggum uh, Shane, yeah, Wiggum, Shane Wiggum's yeah. character like none of it <laughs> like I just need something like I don't need a lot from Mission Impossible movies I just need something to grasp onto plot wise and story wise where I could be like okay at least I kind of followed that I understand the stakes and uh, I can get behind our main character who I know through seven other movies, but I didn't have any of this on 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 this movie, and I really, really didn't have the stakes, and that's the most important thing. And I loved the the concept of using AI for this because I thought, yeah, it's an important. Yeah, if AI sub- isn't high enough stakes for Jeremy, then you know the movie failed. <laughs> I thought it was an important subject, but like maybe uh, if they told me AI had written this, I'd feel a lot better about AI. <laughs> so my problem with Fallout. <laughs> And perhaps Rogue Nation or whatever, but like, and then especially here, it's just like the repetition of these movies is, and I, and I, if you listen to the Fallout podcast, I say the same thing. Like these scenes are just repeating themselves. There's another motorcycle slash car chase in this. And yeah, they throw in a little, a funnier car and a little humor into it this time. It like, that doesn't make it any different. Like these, these movies are becoming and you guys hear me talk about this they're becoming so formulaic so paint by number that they're getting less interesting because you just know the beats you know what's going to happen next and honestly there's so much they're like the stakes are so much lower and they're just they're just like not as good in this one I mean, they're not as good it's it's the biggest reason i didn't want to host this podcast because i couldn't remember the difference between the lat all of these macquarie movies well there's like like, there's a foot there's a foot chase but the stakes are not are not as high they, they they get into a they get into this little car and it's just like and it's and like but also they ha- why they, they decide to go down those famous steps in Rome but of course they're not allowed to do that so 
they have to do CGI to do like like you know like oh god. Also, it's who's so planting who's planting these cars everywhere if they're not really a sanctioned uh, you know entity of the government? You know well, they are like, they are well but they these are, are but they aren't. But these are all questions that are okay not being answered when there's just a little bit more like seamlessness and like less convolution to the plots like it's okay for these movies to be ridiculous and outlandish like follow was like stolen plutonium which they told us over and over again angela bassett's just like you chose the your team over the plutonium and now the world is at risk and then they cut to another scene and angela bassett says let me just remind you you chose your team over the plutonium and it's ridiculous and it's horrible exposition and it's over and over and over again then we cut to a car chase and then we cut to him jumping out of a plane and it's all ridiculous but it's a little less bothersome because we've only seen it maybe once before but now to me we've seen it now two times before and like you're just continuing to do the same things over and over again repeat the same sorts of expository you know scenes and try to rely on crews jumping off a cliff to make your movie good and this is why i brought up this question i was just like I really think I would have been like so much more intrigued if I didn't know that was coming. But like the whole time, as soon as he gets on a motorcycle, I'm like, okay, here it comes. We're, we've honest, all like, literally actually, already seen this. I mean, it's crazy that he did it, but like people have done that before. It's, I mean, it's, you know, like just because Cruz is doing it doesn't mean it's that unique. Like people do that, that exact stunt all the time. Yeah. How come nobody, like all the stuntmen that do all this but, stuff normally are like, what the, what, why is this guy getting all the credit? <laughs> but, but when he, but when he hangs off a plane or when he learns to fly and you see him actually flying a helicopter, like that's a totally different thing. Plus it's linked to something very important. When he's flying the helicopter in the last movie, he's trying to stop a nuclear bomb from going off. In this movie, he's just trying to get on a train. And it, is, it is so poorly. Like, like, it, it is so poorly set up. He just goes, "I missed the train," and then the next option is jumping off the highest cliff imaginable. Now, if they had shot him like parachuting onto the top of the train, that would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, if it was all one shot, just down. I don't even have to do an all one shot because I think it's pretty impossible to parachute on top of a moving train. But he just—they just cut to this silly scene where he lands in the in the train to break up a fight with Haley Atwell, who, on another note, I thought was excellent in this movie. I, I agree. You told me that before I saw it, so I did have that in my mind, but yes, I thought she was really, really good. Um, but again... She's fine. So I just I just love that you know, Leonardo is like, oh, she's so good. <laughs> yeah, she's um, so good. <laughs> uh, but like, sh- like... I love when they they just try to inject. They're like, "Well, we're on the seventh movie. We might as well inject some heart and, uh, you know, like, like emotion, like overwrought emotion into the series. Like suddenly, Gabriel's doing this. Oh, you've 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 lost your woman thing, and there's some reference to uh, the antagonist killing somebody that was close to Cruz yeah, when, when what he is was this? younger. I hope oh, yeah, there's something about this in part two. Is. We're not we're not told about it, but eventually, I guess we'll find out in part two. But suddenly, like Haley Atwell, who he's known for about two seconds, is like super important to him, probably because she's got big tits and is hot. 
Uh, and then, but then Ilsa Faust is hot, is, is important to him. Why is she important to him? When did they, like, what is all this character? All she's done is backstab him for, like, two yeah, movies. Yeah, and, like, like, gotten in the way, like, like, who, like, what, and they, and they, like, have an intimate hug, but they don't kiss. Like, are these people, are they together? Like, or what, what's going on? No, like, he's why still with, he... he's still with, uh, Michelle Moynihan. Right, guys, Michelle come on. Moynihan from the last movie. I mean. From, from four movies ago. And it, like it just feels so half-assed. Like they don't want to commit to, and like probably wisely because we like, we've discussed this. Like the the sort of sexlessness of of Tom Cruise over the age of fifty has yeah, been he's a, just a, like, a, a can I surround? Can I surround myself with the hottest women available? And but I'm just not, not going, doing anything my, with any my, of my, them. My like sexual relationship with them is uh, like is sort of you know a, a hug here, a high yeah. five here, a pickpocket here. <laughs> I mean. And, and and like suddenly they, these women are so important to him. And like when Ilsa died, I felt nothing. Well, I could you also care less. knew it was coming. I was so glad she wasn't going to be in too. Not because I don't adore Rebecca Ferguson, I do, but like I just don't understand why her character has been in three movies. I think that they there is there is a huge aspect of you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of of and it doesn't happen quite as much anymore just because of the nature of tv but network tv right follows what's popular you know you think about like that the 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 um you think about lost and matthew fox's character jack was supposed to die in the pilot but they're like you can't have that happen and then like it was so obvious like you always heard the stuff about lost that like the writers knew where it was going but it was so obvious for anybody watching it that like they were following what the pulse was right and you see that with sitcoms they're like people still like this show so we're going to keep it going people like this relationship so let's break them up and then put them back together and you feel that a little bit in the mission impossible movies like rebecca ferguson was a big hit need to make sure she's in the next one vanessa kirby who has no like no purpose in any of these movies got to make sure she's in all of them (laughs) And what was weird is that but based on what, like all these, like I was just looking back at the box office performance and then where the movies rank, they're all, they all are like within like $10 million of each other. They're all, they're all like pretty minor hits, pretty minor hits, you know? Well, and then the, I think maybe the best example of this is, is Palm Clementif who plays Paris, who has like no lines in the movie and is like a sidekick to the villain dies like four times at the end of this movie but i'm pretty sure is still alive and will be in the next one because like she people has the like worst, her she has the worst uh character plot twist in that like ethan yeah, like, could have killed, yeah. killed her and then she like saves him because like i just hate like that is so lazy that that is the laziest of yeah writing. so she shows up later yeah and say but, like <laughs> like it, it is operating very much in like a fan service type of way where it's just like okay these like i, I don't think ving rames totally qualifies but like they are all they're playing on like the nostalgia of their original mission impossible like let's get ving rames in know, there let's get kittridge in there let's have some dutch angles that Palma no, no, did no, let's have no, a fight no, on the train ving like, rames has been in every one of these movies i know he has but and and i'm fine i have no issue with ving rames being in this i like him in really? these movies I think I, he's really like clearly out of his element in this movie. Like, 
But that's the and, writing. And that's not his fault. That's the writing. No, they, they're not giving him anything anymore. There's literally a scene where he's like, I need to go off the grid so that I can handle this. And you never see him again. What is he, he handling? Off, yeah, he, he went literally off the grid. leaves the movie. Yeah. That's just bad writing. Um, yeah, it did. It did play very much like a choose your own adventure game or movie, but it was a different different audience member got to choose the next scene. So it just went it went all over the place. Um, I'm amazed. I, I enjoyed this movie more than you guys. I mean, obviously, all the problems you're talking about are true. I, the thing I hated most while watching it, just in terms of like the thing all this stuff that we're talking about is bothering me now, but I, I could not stand the chase with Shea Wiggum and his partner. Like the, of all the one dimensional things in this movie, there couldn't have been one worse. Like in the whole time I'm like, what do I know this guy from? And then I finally realized he's just the boat captain in Wolf of wall street. <laughs> but oh, I, I didn't mind. I kind of liked him actually. Oh, I feel, he's I felt so he bad and it's not his fault. It's such a one dimensional pointless what Wait, is can he you, doing can you explain his... to me no what? what is he doing who's he what he's gonna Wait, catch did, him for what who does he work for he works for kittredge but i kittredge... don't think so i think he works for like the white he works for carrie elwis i think yeah but he knew kittredge because he called him sir he like, i don't you know there sir like and kittredge is the one who still keeps the the um mission impossible guys going yeah they he was gonna that, kill them yeah but he hasn't been in the last five movies i, I, I just I thought uh, Kittredge died when they blew up the fish tank in the De Palma movie. No, no, he's he's back. He's, he <laughs> appears in the movie later. <laughs> Remember, he goes get this guy. He's going to be wor- working in the station in Alaska. And That's right. Yeah, I just assumed, I assumed he drowned in that restaurant. But like, I don't know what what did you guys think about the like the throwbacks to uh, the first Mission Impossible? Like every scene is like Dutch angle. It, it, like it, it feels like needless, needless fan service. But is it even fan service? Are the fans of these movies like thinking about what De Palma did as a director in the first one? No, I feel not like, at all. Not I feel at like all. the I feel like the broad audience of the mission, like the broad fans of the Mission Impossible movies, don't probably don't even like the first one. Uh, I'm looking at the first one here, and the thing that's shocking to me is the she she's probably the prettiest I think of all the Mission Impossible girls, but the one who plays Claire Emmanuel Bayart, she was really yeah. I I thought we were going to talk about this part of it. (laughs) She was born in 1963. Well, that movie was also made in 1996, but like also. But I think the. Judging by the pictures, she still looks like. I mean, she is very pretty, really but really young. I mean, jeez, good for her. I'm she not, should be. I'm not, I'm not she sure should why come we're back. talking about that. Oh no, Mission, she's an old woman. She's not allowed to come back. She's a Mission Impossible one. That's I mean, why. Van- no, Vanessa, Jerry, she... Vanessa Redgrave is in the first one too. Like, let's look at pictures of her when she was younger. Look, I've never seen her in another movie. Is all I'm saying. This is this is her now. Yeah, that you just sent. Is that her now? Yeah. That's not bad. Well. <laughs> I mean, she just looks like an older woman. I mean, what is, what's happening? <laughs> I like doing, how I'm talking about the deep dive. The Dutch angles in De Palma's version, and Chapin's like, Emmanuel Bayhart was really hot back then. I, that was I me. didn't say that. That was I Jeremy. I said Jeremy. You said Chapin. Oh, just maybe I thought it was you. Just a slip. I meant, I meant Jeremy. Freudian slip. Um, uh, 
All right, but going back to the first Mission Impossible, like how come what? Emilio Estevez hasn't been in any of these? He oh, died in he, the first one. Remember, he gets yeah, the but they could figure out a way. I know at the top of the elevator. But and why Gene, get Gene Reno back? Why do you think? Yeah, it, why do you well, think the stakes died. in the first one work so much better? Is it because it's all new to it's us? It's a much I think, better. I think it's a simpler, De Palma, much better. De Palma's script. more interested in tension. Like he's interested in creating a thriller and tension, and like yeah. using yeah, the, the medium of film. Yeah, the first one's not even that much of an action movie. I mean, it is. It was at the time, and we talked about this on the last podcast. But it was. It was. He's trying to like create, you know, like a like a movie, like 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 he's made in the past, like something that's that has a lot of of you know double crosses and like a real spy movie. So and if if the first one was made that. now, this, yeah. this is like like we have to work in all these like weird uh, romantic semi romantic things about Tom Cruise and like oh now it's personal. I mean it's always personal. Like I don't he's gonna, even think blow it's up that. The world. I think it's like the insistent on the chases, the next big stunt. Like if you were to have the the original one come out now, like they would have, they would feel like they needed to actually break into a place that had like lasers and crews would have to actually steal something from a computer without setting off an alarm or something. Like that's what you're talking about, Jamin. Like it's all, it was all, it was much more of like a suspense movie than it was an action movie. There's a big action set piece at the end on the train. Sure. But like, now it's like, it's car chase. It's like submarines. Compared to the rest of the series, the, the, the the sort of this the hanging by a thread scene in Mission Impossible when he's stealing the knock list from the CIA like that was like an iconic scene but there's no I mean that's an almost entirely silent scene yeah he there's took not a like lot of action like it's just a whole all about that. tension that's and what I film, mean yeah. yeah film quality and like that was and that but it's not like that scene was like people would look at that now and be bored it's still a great scene but for some reason they think they have to do these it's like it's like oh tom cruise at I age think 61 wants to like jump off cliffs and so we got to build a movie around exactly it. that's what they're building these movies on and it goes back to i want to say probably gross protocol like climb in the building or honestly it goes back to it's not as prominent but it goes back to mission impossible 2 the opening scene him just like free soloing that cliff like it's just like be, you know what to be honest though like i wonder if you know as we approach the eighth movie ghost protocol would be the the middle movie uh as of right now i think that film kind of nailed the tone like they're not going to be able to make they're not going to be able to make uh this series in the de palma tone for eight movies it's just not going to happen but the the sort of Brad Bird kind of like lighter tone, the sort of a little more quirky, funnier, but but still has great action. But like, well, and that, that's coming off of like a really dark version, right? In exactly, three. and it was it was a pivot. But now they've pivoted back to that. And I okay, think but they have to. Bird's pivot. like they kind can't of like keep doing the same thing over and over again. They've got to change it up. Like if they're gonna, I mean, let's just assume Dead Reckoning is gonna be the same movie essentially right there's going to be something else impressive that Cruz does but like if they're going to continue to make these movies they have to change something they have it can't to me it started with follow and I know you guys don't agree but like these are the same movies over and over and over again and Jeremy you didn't want to host because you don't know one from the other and that proves my point I I agree but I I think there's all of the other ones we're talking about are better than this one I agree. That, that I, and I would, true, I but... would take I would take the set pieces, the sort of I think I think they're brandly. 
you know, the reason that brings you to the theater and not to Marvel is not you're not interested in the story, but it's like semi realistic sort of sort of grounded, like practical action sequences. And they've they've gone away from that in this movie. Like like even that shot, even the thing with Cruz jumping off that cliff, like if that's they had to like take out a ramp. You know, in post. And so, like, it's all of it's still digitally manipulated. It's all still really fake. It's just like, you know, they had to do it for the story element. It's like, well, what are we, how are we going to put a ramp here? But he's supposed to be, you know, but like, but like the car chases and the, the, the bike stuff from the last two movies, like, that was all like relatively real. Can I say one and thing you about feel this? Feel it in the filmmaking. This movie I did like. Um, they finally had characters checking each other's faces for masks. It only took like that nine okay, but movies also, before people how would be come, like, oh. How come Vanessa Kirby's like right-hand man couldn't tell that her beautiful blue eyes had suddenly transformed brother, to brown? Her brother. Whatever. <laughs> Whoever it is. Like, that's... That, why, how, how, how does this get overlooked in the movie and by the characters in the movie? Haley Atwell wears a Vanessa Kirby mask and has very clear brown eyes, which has never been a problem in any of the mask situations in these movies. And Vanessa Kirby has the they haven't, they bluest haven't quite, of blue eyes in the world. Um, contact lenses yet in IMF. They haven't figured out. Well, they couldn't figure out the eyes in The Irishman either, and that costs $300 million. So it's the same kind of same issue. So uh, I'm guessing we're not going to be seeing Dead Reckoning Part 2 for the podcast. No, we oh, will. That we're all there. We're definitely there. So. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. That'll be out next year. Now, the question is, will will this... Um, will, what will be the, the stunt in part two? I hope we don't find out until we actually see part two. I'm suspecting it's going to be a a breath holding situation. I know Cruz held a record till Winslet broke it. And now Cruz got a chance to go down to a submarine and hold his breath longer. Maybe it'll be something like that, but Oh yeah, he definitely has to go to the submarine. Also, why did they not know what that thing was? Like, what didn't they all know that the submarine crashed and the key floated to the top? How come they couldn't figure out that the thing that the Sebastopol or whatever the name of the submarine was that they're looking for? Why didn't they know what that was? Also, if they so found confusing. if they found the key right there with the dead bodies, why didn't they just you know take then, take it and go take down? Take it, yeah. go down straight to the and shut it off. And how did well, it? Well, because two people found the key. Uh, a lot of really difficult. Like they loved they loved the pickpocketing and the sleight of hand in this oh, movie too. I know. But like literal magic tricks. I'm like, okay, Cruz did the little sleight of hand thing in the first one too. Another throwback to the De Palma version. But also, like, <laughs> who has the goddamn key? Can we can we just move on from this? What does the what does the key do? <laughs> What's the key do? You need both pieces. Is there there's are there fake ones? Yeah, with all this technology, you need both pieces of the key. You can't figure out how to do it without it. Okay, that that reminds me of something. I did have a thought when I left the theater, and I know we hate to be prescriptive, but would this be an interesting idea? You've got AI, right? And it's using the internet or everything online to to track them and it's it's their enemy right what if they what if the movie was more about how they have to like go back to all the old school methods 
off the internet, no facial recognition, none of that, and they had to go use all these old school methods to be the impossible mission force. Wouldn't that be cool? That I love that idea. Yeah, what if that happens in the second one? That would be cool. I love that idea for society. Let's write it. I mean, we all do, Jeremy, but it's not going to happen. Jeremy's getting a turning one of those turning phones, and we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even remember I still, what they're called. I still text on it, but I just every time have to use the yeah. wheel. It's just like Marco Polo's not working on this thing. Can you guys see me? Um. Well, I'm all glad right. we all hated that movie. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed myself, but definitely. Why is it getting good reviews? That's another question. It like has like 90 on. Rotten okay, Tomatoes. so I, I didn't I didn't want to bring it this up because I don't like bringing up this podcast on our podcast taping, but like the big picture is obviously one that you and I both listen to a lot. And one of the problems I have with those guys is much as I respect, especially fantasy's opinion on movies, is they let their emotions get the best of them with movies like this. And they they apologize for all the issues like they they come up with like good reasons for bad things and the thing we talked about is like Cruz like conveniently crashes through the window on the train after his stunt and knocks stuff out and they're like oh but it's so great because he's like confused and like where is he and like that's how you would normally act if you fell through a train what like stop being so apologetic for like things that are silly and I think that's where a lot of the critical acclaim comes from is that people are so mesmerized by like what Cruz is doing that they're not looking at the forest through the trees. Like they're not seeing that these are so flawed. And look, I said it about fallout and I think you guys are guilty of this to a certain extent with that movie, but it's definitely apparent here. Yeah. But for some reason with that movie, like you can forgive it a little bit more because you at least can latch onto something, whereas this one, there's just not, there's nothing here. It really is like, other than the AI stuff, which I couldn't even <laughs> get behind. Jeremy like suddenly isn't isn't afraid of AI anymore because of this movie. Thank you, Tom Cruise. He's like, there's just a key out there somewhere. Somebody will find it and take care of it. The good guys will get it. Always do. All right, not not the podcast I expected. If I'm being completely honest, guys. Well, good. Um, happy to hear that you guys are coming around on these movies. We're coming around on this movie. I know, but I think as time goes by, you'll start to recognize that it's a trend, and it began with Fallout. Probably won't watch. Well, that's going to do it for this very special edition of the Get it's Your like Film Not letting me podcast. get any further with this. I have been Chapin Hemingway, joined, as always, by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk. Guys, next. Um, next week, we're going to be doing Oppenheimer, but actually, you're going to hear The Sting. But then, actually, the, actually next week, we're going to do Oppenheimer, uh, a movie we're all excited for. And I will be seeing it in 70 millimeter IMAX. Oh, I'm going to see it in 70 millimeter, but not IMAX, unfortunately. So I'm going to see it on my phone. Oh, you got a ripped version of it. Yeah. Someone's just recording on their phone. Yeah, it's I'm mine. Gonna, it's me. I'm Jeremy, Marco thought, Polo. I'm going to Marco Polo you, it to Jeremy. This fate is 
I thought you'd love film because it's like the anti AI. There's no CGI in. No, at least no it's computer gonna, is used in Oppenheimer. Leads just gonna record it on. But he used uh, CGI Black in Barry. Interstellar. Did I? <laughs> I don't know why okay. that guy. Thank you so much for listening. So good for that. Uh. Ethan, what's your objective? What's your ultimate objective? Your life will always matter more to me than my own.